Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Patrick O'Toole, 13 years all with the West Columbia Fire Department in South Carolina, creator of the First Do Truck page, where he shares tips and tricks on anything truck related. Patrick believes everything we do as professionals is dedicated to putting them first. With that being said, I present Mr. Patrick O'Toole. All right. My name is Patrick O'Toole. I am a 13-year veteran of the fire service. I've been in for 13 years. The first year was volunteer at the Ben Avon Fire Department up in Pennsylvania. Uh, Got bit by the bug pretty hard there. Um, From there, I joined the United States Air Force, um, active duty as a firefighter. I went to Goodfellow, Texas for uh, uh, fire school. That was about three months of uh, aircraft firefighting, medical, um, structural firefighting, all sorts of craziness. I had a lot of fun. Uh, While I was in the Air Force, I got my hazmat tech and my rope technicians, um, got a lot of cool experience. After the Air Force, I did that for about five and a half years. Then I got out, um, came to South Carolina, joined the West Columbia Fire Department, and I've been there for going on six years now. And I'm a captain of the ladder truck. Okay. All right. I was getting ready to ask you, right? But you've already, uh, you've already stated that. So for those that don't know, tell us a little bit about West Columbia, the size, how many personnel, um, calls, you know, yearly calls. You know, it doesn't have to be exact, um, exact, but just things like that. Sure. Uh, West Columbia is a, a very quickly growing city. Um, it's not a city city in terms of big, tall skyscrapers, but we have a little bit of everything. Uh, we have big, huge neighborhoods. We have, uh, we have some tall apartment buildings, some hotels, uh, big commercial buildings. We, we have a little bit of everything. Uh, the fire department, uh, consists of one station and we have one engine, one truck and one battalion running out of it. Uh, we have eight on duty on a nice day, you know, if we're fully staffed, right. uh, we have four on the truck, three on the engine and one on the battalion. Okay. Okay. And um, we average, uh, we're getting close to 4,000 calls a year. That's pretty good for one station. That's yeah. That, it's, that, that, it's, that's pretty consistent there. Yes, sir. It's never a dull day. So, um, are you guys, uh, EMTs or paramedics? We just transitioned over to EMT. So everybody in the fire department is an EMT all the way up to chief. Uh, everybody's an EMT and we are starting, well, we already started a paramedic program, but um, we're starting to get more and more paramedics on the floor. So each each and every shift has at least one. Once we get that accomplished, we're going to you know progress to each shift having two and so on and so forth. Uh, we recognize that EMS is one of the largest missions for the fire service. And uh, we're out here to provide the best service we can for our citizens. And that involves becoming EMTs and paramedics. Okay. Um, do you ever see in the future a potential uh, uh, ambulance running out of your stations or or is it just going to be strictly uh, the uh, ALS engines and the ALS truck? I think it's going to be strictly um, non-transport. Okay. Okay. I, I, do, I do not foresee an ambulance. Okay. In West Columbia. All right. Um, with that being said, on a good day with eight, let's see, more and more, man, the more interviews I, I, I do – I'm I'm hearing the same thing of departments having to do more with less. You said eight on a good day. So 
I'm assuming what's your minimum staffing? Um, our minimum staffing is uh, right now uh, we're in a transitional period where we're doing a big hiring process. Uh -huh. So uh, our staffing is actually kind of kind of uh, low and we're doing a lot of overtime. We even have part timers that come in. Uh, so we have a part time program to help us out, which is phenomenal. Uh -huh. um, it helps out a big a bunch. Um, but we as, at a minimum, we try to stay, you know, five on a shift. Okay. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, and with that being said, with you having such a small workforce, I'm assuming your battalion chiefs are probably also getting in on the action when needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our battalions are, you know, they're no stranger to work. Um, they get their hands dirty and they're, they're getting in there doing everything they can to help out the guys on the floor for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, what would you say the culture is like within your department? Uh, personally, I, I can speak for my shift and I can speak a little bit on the department as a whole, mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I love the department. I love the uh, culture in West Columbia. Uh, we have a very good uh, culture of training. Um, we have a very good culture of just being friends with each other and being family with each other, which goes a long way whenever, you know, you're short staffed for a long time and you, you know, you have to do hydrants in the middle of the summertime and stuff right. like that. So right. I think, I, I think uh, what helps us out the most is the fact that we are a small department and we do have a lot of, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, family events, you know, the breakfasts, the lunches, the dinners as a shift um, really bring us together. Uh, you know, the fact that everybody knows everybody makes it a lot easier to be personable with each other and help each other out to struggle through the hard times. So I, th I think that goes a long way. Additionally is uh, our training. So our department spends a lot of money on us to go out and train. Uh, which we are, which uh, as a uh, as an employee of West Columbia, it's hugely beneficial for us. Um, uh, our chief, our chief goes out of his way to make sure that we have the best training possible. Um, we just recently had a uh, third party tra uh, trainer come in. Uh, what was it? Uh, Safe Rigging Solutions. Oh Don yeah, Bill. yeah, yeah, for, um, yeah. Yeah, he came in and put on a phenomenal. Uh, high angle class for us. So, and that, that cost a pretty penny, but um, our chief knows that we're worth it. And more importantly, the chief knows that the citizens are worth it, that we have this top notch training to deliver to our citizens. So um, training is not in short supply in West Columbia, which is a phenomenal thing. Yeah, that's definitely always a plus, especially with, uh, you know, there's some departments out there that won't allow their, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's going to be the case where if you want to go to training, it's unfortunately going to be on your own dime and sometimes you using your own time. So when, yeah. <laughs> when you said, you know, my chief's all about bringing in outside training, man, that's, that's phenomenal. That is awesome to hear. No, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very good thing. Very good thing. Okay. Uh, what are some departments you run mutual aid with or automatic aid with? Uh, so I'm in, uh, Lexington County. Mm -hmm. So I'm running, I'm running with Irmo. I'm running with, uh, Lexington County fire service and, uh, running with Casey a lot. Okay. All right. Um, I have, I have Columbia across the river, but, um, uh, the city of Columbia across the river. Yeah. Um, but we're not running together that often. Okay. Okay. And you mean like Columbia Richland? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. I just want to make sure you want to make sure I'm, I'm getting my, uh, 
my mapping. <laughs> right. Um, with you being the officer uh, on your truck, pretty much you can set the tone on how how you want your guys to be, you know, regarding, hey, let's go out and train. Let's go do some physical fitness. So, like, let's talk. How important is that? For the for the for the company officers to set the tone for for the crew. Well, it's it's paramount. You know, uh, you can't do anything unless you're in the right mindset to do it. You know, you could train all day long, but if you're not in the learning mindset, you're not going to retain anything. So, setting the tone early for anything is paramount. Um, when I got my new crew, I sat down with not just my crew, but the whole shift because, you know, we're a small department mm -hmm. and we just set down some expectations, some expectations that I have of them um, saying, hey, I expect this, that and the other thing. You know, I expect you guys to be open. I expect you guys to be honest with me. I expect you guys to be professional, so on and so forth. And then one of the really important things that I learned from a mentor of mine was to make sure that they have time to set expectations for me, too. Um, I can't be expected to teach them one way or treat them one way that doesn't register for them on, you know, a learning level or an emotional level or a physical level. You know, I can't expect one of my guys to go out there and PT like I do if they don't have the same body type as me, you know, but I do expect them to go out there and do some meaningful, you know, physical fitness for them. Right. So setting those expectations is huge. Um, setting them early is also very important. But every single day after that, you have to set your own daily expectations. Like, you know, I think that's kind of what you were getting at was every day you you reset the tone. Every day is brand new. And every day you reflect back on your original mission, your original goal, and you devise a plan for that day to accomplish it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 key to start early and to stay consistent with how you want your um your shift ran. So, man, kudos to you on that. Um, I do have a question. I forgot to ask about your rank structure. So, you have a captain. Uh, is there an engineer? So, starting at the bottom, we have firefighters and firefighter paramedics. So everyone's an EMT. We kind of leave that out of the name title, mm -hmm. but we have firefighters and or firefighter paramedics. Then we have, um, <clears throat> we have our engineers, we okay. have our captains. So each truck, uh, each truck has an engineer, a dedicated engineer. Each truck has its own captain. Um, and then we have one battalion per shift. After our battalions, it goes up to two administration chiefs. Uh, we have an admin chief and then we have an ops chief. Okay. And then after that, we have the chief chief, chief of department, chief Solomon. Okay. And um, if you're off, does your engineer slide over and somebody in the back moves up or how does that work? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, we, we have a move up program. Um, it's it's uh, standard for every firefighter to learn how to become a ride up engineer. It's standard for every engineer to learn how to become a ride up officer and, and so on and so forth. So obviously we try to utilize that as little as possible, um, you know, because everyone wants to do the job that they're assigned. But just like every other fire department in the country, you know, short staffing or people call out sick or, you know, whatever the case may be, people have to ride up. Okay. All right. Um, so what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving the shop? Because we all know we hit our ebbs and flows or politics get involved or, you know, something might just happen where you're not, you're not as fully committed as you once were, but how do you keep going? 
Oh man, that is a good question. <laughs> uh, I try to, I try to focus. I try to focus on my guys and they, well, first and foremost, you know, the citizens are the mission. Uh -huh. um, the, the citizens are the mission uh, at the end of the day, they, they come first. Um, and how we facilitate that is by training our butts off and educating ourselves and, and things like that. Um, I find that it's easier and less labor intensive to complain or to dwell on something bad when your hands are full of work. Right. So, you know, you can kind of distract yourself for a little bit by doing some training and getting out there and, and focusing on something else that is productive. Mm -hmm. And through the process of focusing on something else that's productive, you know, you kind of you kind of forget about what was what was wrong in the first place kind of re-motivates you a little bit or for me personally it re-motivates me a little bit uh you know whatever whatever i was stowing on stewing on eh, it's not so bad <laughs> you right. know we went out there we banged some ladders and uh you know forced a couple doors did a couple searches in the parking lot with rope and hey now my guys are more prepared to go inside a burning building which is what really matters versus that administrative decision that honestly doesn't matter so focusing on my guys uh, keeps me motivated a lot now that I'm in charge, you know, now that I'm responsible for their lives. Um, it's a huge, it's a huge charge to undertake. So I'm constantly trying to constantly trying to put my guys first and uh, uh, in the process, putting the citizens first. Absolutely. The citizens are the mission, as you stated, 100 percent. So, yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. Um, so how did. Uh, your page first do truck come about like what has something had to have sparked a breaker had to have tripped where you're like you know what I want I got some I got some useful information that I, I want to share because that's what the fire service truly is all about sharing the knowledge to others instead of hoarding it because if you hoard it we're not doing anything for the generations coming up behind us so how did that start right so um uh, when I was in the Air Force, uh, when I was in the Air Force, uh, uh, the Air Force Fire Department, there wasn't a whole lot of guys that were passionate. You know, it's just like any other part of the military. A lot of guys join the military and then they get stuck in a job that they may or may not like. Um, so when I was in the Air Force, there was a lot of guys that were not passionate about it. Um, I was, and I had to really pick and choose the people that I was around to make mm -hmm. sure that I was making myself better and enjoying myself. Uh, so a lot of that involved YouTube and going on the internet and watching other people and learning from videos and then going out into the bay at night and testing it out myself. Um, so I, I, I really started relying on the internet for training back when I was in the Air Force. So, you know, when I moved to South Carolina, West Columbia, that did a total 180. Uh, tons of guys at the fire department were super motivated, showing me this, showing me that. I was learning a lot, uh, having a lot of fun, but I still kind of like glued to my phone at nighttime when I had free time learning about this, that, and the other thing. You know, how does the West Coast do it? How does the Texas do it? How do people in uh, Canada do it? Mm -hmm. uh, so I just constantly found myself uh, one day I was looking at a video. I'm like, man, I, I could do this. You know, there's a bunch of stuff on here. Like, man, I know this. I, I, I know this and I could do it maybe a little bit better. Um, so I just, you know, decided to take a plunge and dive into it and just see what happens. Um, 
by no means am I an expert. <laughs> right. By no right. means do I know everything, but you know, if if uh, one firefighter out there can take away a little nugget of information and make themselves better, then by all means it was worth it. Awesome. Awesome. Have you have you had any good because I mean I have seen your videos and definitely there's a lot of good little tips and tricks that I picked up like, oh, okay. Cause I'm new to the trucky world. How long have you been on a truck? Uh, I've been on almost my entire career at West Columbia. So I'll just say, let's just say five years. Okay. Okay. Um, cause I recently transferred, I, I was an engine guy and then I went to a truck and you know, you know how like truckies and engine guys like to give each other, <laughs> you know, jabs here and there, but like legitimate yeah. man, like true truck work is work, you know, throwing um, ladders, doing a search, like it's different body mechanics that you're using compared to if you're just on an engine. Yeah. I, and I love it <laughs> because, uh, you know, the, uh, the saying goes, you know, the engine fights the fire and the truck fights the building. Okay. So, um, you know, the engine's going out there and the engine is, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but the engine's pretty one dimensional, um, on a structure fire, you know, they get the hose, they stretch it out, get water supply, and then they, they go to the fire and they put the fire out. Obviously, the most important job on the fire ground is putting the fire out with a couple exceptions. Um, but it's pretty one dimensional. You know, when you're on the truck, you're doing five or six different things at once. And, you know, you're going inside without a hose line and you're searching a bunch of rooms as fast as possible. And you got to really pay attention uh, where you are in the building and, you know, what's going around you in the building because things are going so fast. You don't have that much protection. You just have, you know, two and a half gallons of water with you. Um, but especially for the outside truck guys. So the OV guys, um, I, I say it all the time in my training, <clears throat> the OV guy, in my opinion, should be the hardest working firefighter on the fire ground. Um, especially at West Columbia, because, uh, if we only have three on the tower, then the OV guy is doing all OV work by himself. So, He's deploying two to three ladders by himself. He's running around the building, no matter how big or small it is. He's taking a jog around the building, doing a Charlie side size up. He's forcing doors. Um, you know, he's running back to the tower to grab the chainsaws to prepare to go to the roof. Or, or he's, you know, masking up at the front door if I call him to uh, request him inside and help us search. So uh, the OV guys, he's putting in work. He's he's putting in that serious work. So he's he's one of the hardest working guys on the fire ground. Okay. Um, man, that just, so it's safe to say, is your truck, is your apparatus, is it a true truck or does it have water on? <laughs> it has a pump. It does have, okay. uh, it does have hose, uh, believe it or not, we, we have a, uh, uh, it's a little bit of an older truck, but it's a Pierce that was a demo. Uh -huh. So it has, it has everything on it. Um, okay. so it has a thousand, thousand feet of five inch. Uh, it has three hand lines. It has a uh, 2000 GPM pump with a 300 gallon tank. So it can uh, it can put out fire with the best of them. However, um, we do not run it as uh, a quince. Uh, we run it as a true truck. And uh, our chief tells us, you know, unless meteors are falling from the sky, we're not pulling hose off that tower. Wow. OK. OK. Because um, because I, I was going to ask, uh, let's say the engine's out because, you know, you you. You, know, you run out of one station. So the engine goes out either on a, let's say the engine goes out on a medical and sure. you get popped for in your first due uh, structure fire. Of course, I'd imagine your truck's responding. And then if it arrives first, it, it is going to deploy hose and, and things like that. Correct. Uh, 
No, no, sir. So it no. depends on. Uh, so uh, here in West Columbia, we're very fortunate to have a lot of mutual aid very close to us. Okay. So our our next in engines, you know, we're on scene. Our next in engines are are uh, pulling the parking brake by the time we force the front door. So they're very close. Um, so it, it just all depends. So you know, if like you said in that scenario. If the tower is going to a fire by itself, so to speak, and we still we still have mutual aid on the way, okay. um, it depends on how far that mutual aid is. You know, if I'm looking at the NDT and I see, you know, engine 330 from Lexington is right up our butt, then I'm going to get on scene and I'm going to be the first to support and I'm doing truck stuff. But, you know, if there's another fire out in the county where mm -hmm. all our mutual aid partners are already at mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm looking at the MDT and I'm like, hey, it's going to be a solid like five minutes before I get my next due engine, then I'll arrive on scene and assume first due engine responsibilities. Okay. So there, there, there is a little bit of a, a, a decision to be made, like a judgment call to be made. But um, we, you know, with, with our mutual aid around us, it's, it's really rare that we're pulling hose off the tower. Okay. I, I still like it though, man. Like for for a one station apartment, I mean, to have a true to, to have that true truck company mindset, that is awesome. Because I mean, no. you know, our truck it's a truck, but honestly, it's a quint. I mean, we have a first do, we have two hose lines, three hundred gallons. So I, I totally right. get it. But let's talk about the um, riding positions you have on, on on your tower. So obviously, you have the driver, you have the officer. If you if you're fully staffed with four, what are the two in the back? So behind the officer, we have the irons, and behind the driver, we have the OV. Okay, all right, yeah. So I've met an irons guy. Cool, I like it. I like it. Yep. Yeah, we like we it. split the truck. We split the truck right down the middle. So both the guys on the officer sides, they're the interior team. Okay. Both the guys on the engineer side, they're the outside team. So on a normal residential, you know, even a multifamily. Um, we're going to split, we're going to split our crews, you know, divide and conquer. Cause we got a lot, you know, like we talked earlier, we got a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's a bigger job, like if, if there's well advanced fire or if it's a, a bigger building, then we're going to stay all together. So we'll say that on the radio, you know, tower four two is on scene. We're going to be all out. So all, my entire crew is going to be an outside team or we're all in my entire crew is going to be an inside team doing whatever. Okay. Okay, I like the terminology. All out, all in. It's awesome, awesome, man. Um, so with your, I'm gonna go back to, to 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 my other question. With your page, have you received good feedback? Because you know that there's always gonna be naysayers and negative Nancys and all that good stuff. But I'd imagine for the most part, you probably do get some 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 DMs like, "Hey, man, um, I I watched this video. I took away a little bit of a nugget here and there. Appreciate it." So, uh. So yeah, I, I do I do get some positive feedback for sure. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I get the most positive feedback from other 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 people out there that are doing the same thing I'm doing. Like, hey man, love the page, you know, keep it up, you're doing great, that sort of stuff. And they're sharing my things. And but the the biggest uh, the biggest uh, pride boost I get from it from people complimenting me it aren't actual compliments. But when I go on my page and I you know look at the the page insights. And then I see that, you know, 200 people shared my or, or 200 people like uh, sent my video to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So in my eyes, I'm like, that's really cool. Like 200 people thought my video was worth enough, hopefully in a good way uh, to send to somebody else. So somebody right. else could learn from it. Right. You know, in my you know, that that to me is 
is is really powerful for me. It knows that I'm doing something right for the most part. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm helping people out to where, you know, they feel like it's good enough to share with their friends. Okay. All right. Awesome. That's awesome, man. That you can, I don't know. You could, I don't know. Cause you know, I just have a standard Instagram page. So I don't know if you have, whenever you set up a page like that, you can track that type of stat where you can see like how many people have shared. So that's, that's, it's- Cool yeah, if, if you if you change to a business account on Instagram, then there's a uh, there's a there's a litany of tools that are at your disposal. But we could talk about that later. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. Learn something new every day. There um, we go. Whether it's short term or long term, what are your ultimate goals? Oh, um, my for for me personally, my sh- long term goals. Uh, man, that's rough. Uh, well, first I want to make it, I want to get out of the job alive. <laughs> that's a good goal. So, it's always yeah. a good goal. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to get out of the job alive. Uh, so, uh, but for long-term I've, I've never really had my sights on the long-term, uh, five years ago, my long-term goal was to make captain. Okay. Um, so I'm here now and I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, uh, I don't have any real aspirations to go above captain right now. Um, I don't even have aspirations as a long-term goal to like, you know, be chief one day, right, so to right, speak. Right. But uh, I'm I'm loving it where I'm at. I feel like me in my life right now, I'm doing the most good. I'm I'm the most beneficial in this role, uh, this role and this rank. Um, so I'm just, I'm just riding it out and I'm just helping everybody that I can, uh, progress and move forward. Um, there's guys that I work with that, you know, started under me and over the course of a year or two, you know, have promoted above me and, you know, good on them. (laughs) I I, I love it for them. If that's their, if that's their career goal then good on them, but I feel like I'm good right here. Um, my short-term goals are, I really want to, uh, expand my teaching style. Um, I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, uh, but I, I do part-time teaching at the South Carolina fire Academy. Okay. Um, so I'm out there teaching, um, uh, fire classes. I teach, uh, rope rescue classes. I teach a uh, confined space. Um, uh, I also teach ARF out there for the aircraft program. Um, so I've, since I've been out there, I've been learning a lot on how to become a better teacher, um, how to become a better instructor and, and reach the most amount of people, the most effectively. Okay. Um, so my short-term goals, because that's, that's what I love to do is, uh, my short-term goals are just kind of analyze myself and become a better, become a better communicator so I can become a better teacher. Okay. I noticed none of those classes are engine related, man. So <laughs> it's just good. So, yeah, but, but what I found interesting was I don't meet that many people that say that they teach ARF. So that's, that's different. It's, it's cool. It's very cool. Um, it's, it's very, very cool. So it's a different kind, man. I'll tell you what, our firefighters are just different. Like you got to talk to them different and they, they see the world just totally on its head, so to speak, uh, and not in a bad way either, but, um, uh, it, it's, it's a different way of teaching and a different way of instructing. Uh, but our firefighters, it's, it's cool, man. Uh, we have a big, huge prop that puts out like a crap load of a uh, propane fire and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I know a couple, like when I say a couple, maybe like two or three actual our firefighters, but you know, our, 
firefighting always gets like a bad rap like oh those guys don't do anything but like yes. i know so i have a friend of mine that's down in charlotte and like to learn that like you have to know how to there's like lingos they talk to with the tower when they have to cross the runway and yeah. they gotta know where they gotta go and that truck is massive i've never seen it in person i've only seen it through video but like it's like a big tank I said, yeah. you know, and it's got like remote controls. And so there's, there's a lot to our firefighting than I'm sure what most people just perceive. So, yeah, so yeah, exactly. Um, the, those trucks are so big that they have, you know, uh, uh, their back axles are also steering axles because even though they have a wide open runway to drive around, they're so big and their turning radius is so large that they mm -hmm. still need a back steering axle to help okay. navigate around some turns and like get to some aircraft parking ramps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of lingo. There's a lot of uh, FAA rules and mm -hmm. regulations that you have to follow. And those trucks, like you said, are huge. Like the, the, the crash trucks that I had in California in the air force, they were holding 3,300 gallons of water. Um, 3,300 gallons of water, 500 pounds of purple K and 500 gallons of a triple F foam. Right, right. So there's, there's a lot of capability to put out some serious fire, but, uh, the fun thing that a lot of people don't know about aircraft firefighters is that they do it all by themselves. And right. when I say, when I say they do it all by themselves, I'm like, you know, they have one person assigned to one truck and that's it. And uh, if you ever get the chance to sit inside an ARF truck, it's super cool. Like the steering wheels in the middle of the car, uh, uh -huh. the middle of the truck, uh -huh. and uh, you have a dashboard to end all dash. It looks like a it looks like the flight deck of an airplane. Like right, yeah, switches yeah. and buttons, and that one person can do everything on that truck. Uh, it's pretty incredible. So uh, I like to say that our firefighters are, you know, masters of multitasking. Yeah. Okay. Um, were you ever in ARF in the Air Force at some point yeah. or no? You were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my my job, so to speak, my Air Force specialty code was a uh firefighter. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So you definitely have experience on that. That's that's cool. Like I said, I'd love to sit in sit in on an ARF class just to listen about like how the truck works. So well, let me ask you, since I have you on here. Does it have, sure. you, you know how like fire trucks have the, you got to put the pump in gear, right? Yeah. Is it, is it the same with an R or is it just like a button? It's a button. It's a, <laughs> and I always ask myself, I'm like, I'm no, I'm definitely not a fire truck scientist, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm like, why do we have that little plunger, that two-stage plunger with the air actuated? I was like, why can't it just be an ARF truck where you just, you know, put it in gear and press a button and you're off to the races. But uh, yeah, it's just one button press. Um, everything is a uh, uh it's a uh i can't think of words right now it's a pump and roll capability so okay. you can drive around and squirt water at the same time okay um it's 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 a lot of fun okay um, um this is this might sound kind of crazy to you with me asking but i, I want to know so like you know whenever you whenever you're doing your truck checks in the morning you put the truck in gear you you know you open your tank to pump research do you have to do that with an arf truck or no Absolutely. Yeah. Every, so every day. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the ARF trucks aren't just primarily, I mean, they are primarily for, you know, the airfield, um, mm -hmm. but on their roll up doors on the bottom, a lot of ARF trucks have just normal hand lines. Um, yeah, they oh, just I didn't normal. know that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so if there's a problem inside the terminal, um, the air, the airport next to me, CAE, um, Columbia international, 
Um, we go over there every now and then to go do training and, and they love us cause we take our ladder truck over there and take it up to the top of the tower and take some pictures. But, um, you know, they get more fires inside the terminal than they do on the airfield. Just, you know, just from grease fires in the kitchens and the restaurants inside the terminal. Okay. Okay. So well, they're, like... they're, in there, they're in there doing it just like we are, but they're, when we, when we complain about being short staffed, those guys are really short staffed. <laughs> yeah. I get, yeah. Cause you said, I mean, it's just one guy doing it all. So what are the length of the cross lace? Uh, it depends. Just depends on uh, what that jurisdiction needs uh, at CAE. There are 200 feet. Oh, so um, you, so you one, can put like, you can put like a, a, a minute man. Yeah. Load on. Oh, that's awesome. Dude. That's crazy to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. When I, when I was in the air force, uh, at Travis air force base, we had C5, C17s and KC10. So those are the biggest, um, uh, cargo planes in the military. Okay. And, uh, and the KC10 is a mid-air fueler. So, you know, it's an airplane that's a fuel station in the sky. Um, so those planes were so big that our ARF trucks had cross lays on them because to put out fires inside the cargo hold, you have to get inside the plane. So we had cross lays staged on our crash trucks that we would take inside and treat that airplane as a structure and do basically interior firefighting inside a plane. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Wow. That's a, uh, like I said, man, I, I learned something new every day. I, I never <laughs> thought. You know, ARF trucks would have cross lays where you could put Minuteman, any kind of load or, you know, hose load you want. I just thought it was, it had like, you know, some, it, had, it always has the remote control nozzles that move and right. that's where the water comes out and that's, that's it only. So no, you learn something new every day. That is awesome. Yeah. The, yeah, the CAE, CAE next to us, like I said, they have cross lays, they have extrication tools on their crash trucks. Um, because they get guys on the airfield that, you know, wreck their trucks on the airfield. <laughs> so okay. they actually have like some battery powered combi tools, spreaders and cutters and, you know, a basic set. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's a an airport just like at any fire department that we work at. You know, every fire department likes to uh, likes to beat their chest saying we are an all hazards fire department. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a problem. And, you know, if, if there's a problem in the city and the uh, police officers can't solve the problem with handcuffs, then we come out there and we can solve it. So uh, um, same thing with airports. They're an all hazards fire department and they're prepared to uh, take on any task. That's awesome. That is truly awesome. <laughs> You've opened up my eyes. I will I will look at our trucks differently now and start like especially when like Pierce, uh, you know, whenever they show off an, an off truck. I'll yeah. start looking at details more to see if I can see like where the cross lays would be and certain things like that. But that's, that's cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. Diesel, diesel trucks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How big are those like, tanks? Uh, well, the one, uh, the one that I had in the air force was 109 gallons. It was a, they had two massive saddlebag, uh, tanks in the back of the truck and uh okay. it, was, it was 109 gallons between the both of them wow okay all right wow it's amazing it's kind of it's amazing <laughs> it, it, it's um, funny that you asked that question because like every firefighter gets asked that question at the fuel pump whenever they're <laughs> putting fuel in their truck you know yeah john q public walks up like how many gallons does it take to fill that thing up and but our our trucks it, it's thirsty yeah i would say i mean because you know those things are massive they have they definitely have bigger tires than normal fire trucks um, mm -hmm. most of them are usually what six, six wheels, two in the front. Um, no, it might be eight wheels. 
the one the one that I had was eight, but usually there's one axle in the front and then there's two axles in the back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that thing's definitely gas guzzler for sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure, you you don't buy those for the for the miles miles per gallon. That's for sure. No. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to get off on an ARF uh, tangent, but I mean it's just it's <laughs> interesting, man. Like I said, I I never knew that about ARF trucks. So, um, in your opinion, what elements or what key elements or factors are needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? Hmm. You have to be, um, you have to be teachable. So I think, I think that if you're nothing else, you know, I think that if you're nothing else, you have to have a good attitude, just a good human being attitude towards anything. And you have to be open and teachable. Uh, cause if you come into the fire service, just like many do not knowing anything, um, that's fine. It's okay if you know nothing. We will teach you everything that you need to know. You know, we'll teach you how to work out. We'll teach you how to read smoke. We'll teach you how to tie knots and anything. But you that only happens if you're open and you're teachable. So, you know, and, and there's a lot that goes into that. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you just have to be open, teachable. You have to be humble. Um, and you have to definitely, definitely have... Um, Definitely having a, a respect a respect for people that you don't even know. Absolutely, um, respect for people that you don't even know, and that just goes back to how I was raised. You know, yes sir, no sir type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, that goes a long way. That that respect, that respect for your officers or whoever the case may be, like me, my respect for my chief, uh, it goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And with you being a company officer and teaching, you know, not everybody learns the same. So you know, once you establish your crew, you'll be able to determine like, Hey, um, firefighter, a, he's more of a hands-on type guy. So in order for him to grasp this, we have to take him or her out and they, they have to put their hands on things while firefighter B, you just tell him or show him one time and he's got it. Right. And there's, there's definitely like, you see that, like, especially when I'm, when I'm teaching at the fire Academy, um, as well as, uh, as well as West Columbia is that you have the classroom session and then you have, you know, the field session. Well, you could see who is like dozing off in the classroom, who mm -hmm. is like, you know, falling asleep because that's not how they learn. Mm -hmm. Um, but once they get out into the field, you know, they're kicking butt and taking names and, and they're excelling and, and thriving. So it, you kind of pick up on who's who, so to speak, you know, who's this type of learning style and who's that. Um, and then you can, like you said, just cater to their needs to make sure that they're succeeding as, as much as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure with you teaching, you see a lot of that, you know, you, you might be doing a class, a classroom setting and you see somebody falling asleep and you're like, I'm losing this person. Like, all right, uh, time for a break yeah. to, to reset the class, to get everybody up and focusing again. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I, I do commend instructors because I mean, you know, that takes a lot. It, it takes a lot of your time to, to prepare the material, you know, do however you do it, whether it's PowerPoint or your presentation and whatnot, and then, then to transfer, then going outside and getting hands on. So kudos to you for doing that because there, I'm not gonna say there aren't many instructors, but there are a lot of people who would be like, eh, you know, I don't really want to instruct in front of a group of people. But if you take me outside in the bay, I can show one or two individuals how I do things. Yeah, uh, thank you. First off, um, 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, you have to be a different kind of person because I always taught, I always told myself, like, I can't be an instructor because I can't be soft. Like, you know, you see these instructors at fire academies, blah, blah, blah. And they're letting, they're letting these weak firefighters pass and they're letting these guys graduate. And like, I can't do that. I'd be too hard on them. You know, I, I always used to say that, but then I was like, you know, that's a really, like I said before, that's a really closed end mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't open to learning and f- actually finding out what it meant to be an instructor. Um, one, once I opened up my mind and, and and I asked some questions and I dived into it, man, I, I'm glad I did and never, never turn back. But uh, it's 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 fun. It's it's really different. Um, one of the cool things that the fire academy does is that we, we teach civilians for a fire brigade program. OK, so, you know, um, let's just say X, Y, Z, you know. Uh, recycling plant has has a lot of fires over the years and they want to start their own fire brigade inside the plant well they can send their civilians and their guys to our fire academy and we'll teach them the basics on you know ppe fire attack you know how to deploy hose how to do this that and the other thing and it's really cool because um some of them don't want to be there you know, mm-hmm. some of them are kind of voluntold, like, hey, if you want to keep your job, you're going to be on the emergency response team. Okay. So it's a it's a challenge. And I learned a lot in myself on like how to instruct somebody that doesn't even want to be there, like how to gain a little bit of buy in for that person for that eight hour day to get them to have buy in so they can learn a little bit, you know, because the last thing I want to do is. The last thing I want to do is look at a student and be like, oh, he's falling asleep and he doesn't care about this. So I'm not going to care about him. Right. Like that is that is the wrong mindset because, you know, they graduate from your class. They pass your class a week later. They go back to their plant and they end up getting killed because they didn't have the skills that they should have learned at your class. Um, so I can't I can't sleep knowing that that's a possibility. So. Um, when you become an instructor, you have to find every creative possible way to sometimes make people that don't even want to be there, be there. Yeah, no, I get that. And that happens a lot too, you know, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. it's sad to say that that does happen a lot with instructors where they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, they don't want to be here, then I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask a question. I hate when that happens. Who's my trainer? <laughs> um, oh, I right, got it. So with you being an instructor at the academy, um, you kind of have like, I want to say a leg up where if you see a candidate that's like going, that's going to fire school to get his certifications, if you see that they're jam up, you can kind of, you it's like you're kind of the, um, trying to figure out how to put this in words. It's like you could be the recruiter for West Columbia. Like you could be like, hey, this dude right here or this girl right here would be jam up. Have you ever thought about coming to West Columbia? Like, you know, has, has that ever occurred? So, so I, I, I don't do that okay. because uh, the only reason I don't is that for South Carolina, you have to be affiliated with a fire department to go through the academy. Oh, so you okay. have to already, yeah, you have to already belong to a department to go through the academy. Okay. Um, so I, I don't want to be the guy that's like sniping people and like, you know, the last, last thing I want, last thing I want is some chief calling like, Hey, one of your instructors from West Columbia is poaching my guys. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I don't do that. However, if, 
you know, if, if a candidate, and that's the nice thing about the South Carolina Fire Academy, a lot of our instructors work at other fire departments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the students will come to us, you know, they're like, Hey, like, where do you work again? Instructor tool? Like, where do you work? Again? Oh, West Columbia. What, what do you do? And then they start the dialogue all by themselves. And, uh, you know, I'm just out there answering questions, having a good time and, you know, uh, and, and, and helping them out. So, and whatever decision they decide to make is, uh, their own personal decision. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if, if I, let's just say me as an example, I moved to South Carolina, but I, I'm not affiliated with any departments, but I want to get my, my, um, my, uh, my accreditation. Mm-hmm. I, do, I don't, I can't participate through, you can, through um, your academy for that. You can you can go through some uh, technical schools. There's some technical colleges that provide firefighter one and firefighter two certifications. Okay. Um, but that's that's like on a, uh, uh, I, I guess a, a private base. So you you pay money for that. Uh-huh. Um, as far as the South Carolina Fire Academy, as far as I know, um, you have to be affiliated with a fire department. So you could go to you know whatever fire department you want to work at. You know. Uh, you could go to West Columbia and be like, Hey, I don't have any certifications. I really want to work for you guys. I, you know, I love this job or, you know, whatever. And then West Columbia would be like, okay, cool. You know, sign some papers and we're going to bring you on as an employee and we're going to send you to fire school. Gotcha. Okay. So, and we've done that with, with a bunch of our employees that, you know, come in off the street, um, super gun ho and we sign them on. And uh, you know, as soon as the next Academy starts up, uh, we're shipping them out. Okay. All right. Like I said, another thing I didn't know. I didn't know that's that's how that worked there. So, all right. All right. Um, what would you say to a hungry, eager, motivated firefighter who feels like they're surrounded by a complacent or non-motivated culture? Well, I would tell them that... You know, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood from yeah. way back. Yeah. Uh, but back in the day, back. I mean, because they don't have shows like that anymore, but I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, you know, he has a famous quote about like when he was a kid and he was talking to his mom and, you know, he saw something, he saw something terrible on the TV, like some sort of disaster or something like that. And, you know, the only thing on TV is this bad stuff, this bad thing that happened. And his mom is just like, yeah, well, you know, look for the helpers. You're always going to find people that are helping. So, you know, if you have an employee or somebody, anybody that's surrounded by bad stuff, um, one of the best ways to keep your motivation, one of the best ways to keep the wind in your sails, uh, one of the best ways to keep tank uh, gas in your tank is just look for the positive pieces Every negative situation has a positive uh, aspect to it. It might be small, but every negative situation has a positive aspect to it. So you just have to find those positive aspects. And then if it's small, then put some work into it, put some elbow grease into it, turn it into a bigger positive aspect. So that kind of ties into what I said earlier about, you know, if you have negative stuff going around, you know, start doing some work and making it better and you'll soon uh probably forget about the negative aspect in the first place because you're just so focused on finding that one little tiny positive thing and turning it into a big positive thing okay all right so i would say look i would say you know when the world's falling around uh falling down around you just look for that tiny little light at the end of the tunnel and just keep working towards it 
because okay. nothing, nothing lasts forever. You know, the good times don't last forever and the bad times certainly don't last forever. So Absolutely. you will get through it. Absolutely. Yep. Like I said, that are, like I stated earlier, the ebbs and flows, man. I mean, every department goes through a phase, a period where things aren't going the way they want, but if you can, if you can uh, weather the storm, it, it won't, like you said, it won't stay like that forever. It will change at some point. Yep. And you will be better for it. You know, if you, if, like you said, if you weather the storm and you go through it head on and, and you put your all into it, even if it doesn't turn out great, mm-hmm. but as long as you put your all into it after the storm passes and you emerge, you will be better off. Um, you will have learned something about yourself or you will have instilled something about yourself, you know, discipline, uh, motivation, determination, something that you'll be a little bit better off for it. All right. Uh, last question for you. In your opinion, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? Hmm. I would say acceptance. Um, I think that we I think that we can improve on acceptance, and that's a, a broad answer for a reason. Um uh with with the way that things are going in America, we can be mm-hmm. more accepting. We can be more accepting of our employees on a personal level. We can be more accepting of our employees on a spiritual level. Um, because it's all about the family aspect in the firehouse. You know, the the crew doesn't work right if we don't consider ourselves family. The crew doesn't, we're not at peak proficiency if we're not on a family level with each other. Um, so getting to that family level is just accepting uh, each other for who they are. You know, what they believe in, they're, you know, the presidents, the political stuff, you know, by all means, we can give each other jabs. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, we I think we can be more accepting of each other. Um, but that also goes to like tactics. You know, like like you said earlier, you know, uh, talking about my Instagram page about, you know, every now and then there's, you know, that Debbie Downer that wants to throw a negative comment out there. That's fine. And, you know, I I accept it. (laughs) There's always going to be those people out there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being more accepting of different tactics from different parts of the world or different parts of the country. Um, And first and and most importantly is uh, being accepting on a personal level. So I can be more accepting to other people and their negative feedback. Um, right. Very often when you get negative feedback, you internalize it and like, I, that, that battalion chief's got it out for me, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Right. But uh, I think, I think taking that negative feedback and accepting it for what it is, you know, this, this person's not giving me negative feedback because they hate me. You know, this person's not giving me negative feedback because they want me to fail. They're giving me this negative feedback because I messed up and they want me to improve. So I so it doesn't happen again. You know, they're giving me this negative feedback because they do care about me. So just changing your mindset and being more accepting of it goes a long way. Absolutely. And I'll also add, I think like your page, for instance, like, you know, you're just you're just trying to give tips and tricks to others to, you know, that way they can figure it out themselves. But I also feel like whenever you do get a negative comment, depending on how it's worded, it might be because that individual is uncomfortable with their skill set on that particular, <laughs> on whatever particular video or topic you're, you're you're trying to, you know, get the information out on. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge potential for that. There's 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 a potential for that. There's a potential for, you know, I got 30 years on, I you know, 
And I've, I got 30 years on and I've never did it that way, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's, there's, there's egos, but like you said, it's, you know, some people might be a little bit insecure and they need, they feel the need to voice that, right you know, and that's why I, I always try to kill them with kindness. You know, if, if somebody has something negative to say about me, that's great. I'm always open to it. And I'll be like, Hey, you know, never thought about it that way. Or yeah, if that works for you, then keep on trucking. But, um, you can't, you can't meet negative with negative. You got to be accepting. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, is there anything else you want to say, you know, get any message you want to, you want to spread out there to others that are listening? Um, well, just, uh, first off, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. Um, the last thing I'd like to get out is that, uh, every, everything we do as a fire service is to serve the citizens, you know, whether we're going out there nine times out of 10, we're hitting the streets and we're having fun for us because it's, it's a, it's a damn good job and it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in the back of our minds that everything that we do is for the citizens, everything we do is to put them first and uh, just please for whoever is listening to this, just don't forget that they are number one. The firefighters are number two. Um, so everything that we do, please do everything you can to help out the citizens. Yes. Yep. I definitely cannot rebuttal that at all because at some point, at some time in the fire service, it, it's kind of like we became the priority, you know what I mean? Which I'm not saying we are not priority. Like, yes, safety is number one yourself. But, you know, I felt like that shift of, well, you know, we're kind of over the community. No, no, it's that's that's not how it is. And um, but I, I feel like that access is, is definitely strongly turning back where a lot of departments or the message is being spread. No, the people who call us, they are number one. And we need to remember that. So awesome. Um, positive statement to end this interview, man. Um, Patrick, it's been really fun. You have definitely enlightened me on ARF things. Uh, I will uh, go back to my ARF buddies and be like, hey, why didn't you tell me like this thing can do this? <laughs> oh, so, uh, no, man, it's 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 been it's been great. Um, I appreciate your page. Uh, uh, and for those that don't know, um, stay state your page's name. That way they can find it. So you can find me on Instagram. My page is first do truck with periods uh, as the spaces. Um, but I'm just on there, uh, just giving little tips and tricks and things that I know, and hopefully I can pass them on to somebody else. And by all means, uh, send me a message, send me a DM, send me a comment saying that there's something that I can prove on, or if there's a tactic that I don't know about. Um, so we can definitely talk about it and get that out to, uh, get that out to everybody else. Uh, definitely, definitely networking, uh, with you being in Columbia, I have to ask, cause I had, uh, Casey, Casey. Uh, Captain Casey uh, Clean Scales from Irmo. Yeah, uh, I, I know he's going to be down in Charlotte in November. Just wondering, are are you going or? No, I I, I just had a really big life change. Just bought a house and uh, okay, moved in with my girlfriend and stuff like that. Thank you, thank you. So I'm uh trying to build some roots real quick. So uh, oh yeah, that's I'm, fine, I'm man. Straight, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I but I can't can't wait for next year. Okay. All right, cool. Um, well, it's been good. Uh, we'll wrap up privately, but thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate, appreciate having you on. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, 
regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.